0: I'm young, but I don't know how to beat those guys. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily podcast on fantasy basketball. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Fantrax and Basketball Monster. And today's Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast is also brought to you by a raft of Patreon sponsors. Brett Namias, Sheldon Spiva, Scott Lee, Mike Stein, Brent Veal, Charles Oakley, Joshua K, Chris Patterson, Jonathan Dettuno, and Aram Palamudian. Thank you to all of those guys. We had a short month, so I had to squeeze all the Patreon guys in on the last day of the month. Um, thanks to those guys for sponsoring the show. Um, especially the longtime supporters, guys like Brent and Josh and uh, and Charles and everyone who's been a longtime supporter of the show. If you want to support the show, head across to patreon.com slash redrock underscore beball. My name is Josh Lloyd, and as always, you can find me on Twitter at redrock underscore ball. You can also find me on Instagram at that same address. And shout out to Jacob, who's been doing the Instagram posts for the site. He posts a couple of posts a day. Really love what he's doing there. So engage if you're on Instagram. Have a chat with uh, with what Jacob's putting up there answer the questions just generally uh let's try to, i'm trying to grow the instagram stuff and jacob's doing a great job with it also you can find me on facebook at facebook.com slash basketball and of course you know about basketball monster I'm, uh, I'm all over the place make sure you are checking out the rest of the locked on podcast network as well all the nba shows all the nfl shows whatever your team is locked on the locked on network has you covered every day we are live streaming this show across on Facebook today, so if you are watching on Facebook, make sure you're giving it a like. Make sure you're also, um, or well not you don't have to, but if you if you would like to, you can chime in with questions. You can ask me questions as the show is going live. So if you are watching on Facebook, shout out to you guys because um, yeah, we'll see how it goes. Ho- hopefully, we're getting this streaming stuff working after the balls up that has been the last few days as the software stopped working. But I think we're uh, we're all good with it now. Fingers crossed. We're talking about the NBA. We're talking about what happened on Monday. And we'll start with the... Mo- Actually, you know what? We can't do that yet because Michael hasn't uh, given us the, the go-ahead. Let's get to it. To it. That's much better. Let's talk monstrous line of the night. This guy is absolutely rolling at the moment. It's Carl Anthony Towns of the Minnesota Timberwolves. Towns, he had 29 and 17. Um, he's just really good. <laughs> what more can I say? In fact, I could say this. Pretty good. Pretty, 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 pretty good. Yep, 29 and 17, two assists, three blocks, one three, 13 of 19 from the field, and a weird two of five from the line, Knight from Townsie. He is the second-ranked player over the last month. It's only a matter of time, it feels like, before he is the number one player in fantasy basketball. Basketball it won't be this season, but we're talking about the next two to three years. He's going to be that guy. He is just crushing it every single night. It's not hurting that he's playing 38 minutes a night under Tom Thibodeau, but it's also not hurting that he's averaging almost 30 and 15. Well, he's averaging over the last, over the last five games, 28 and 17 with three assists, a block on 61 and 78% shooting. It is not easy to go past that in terms of numbers. He is absolutely crushing it at the moment. If you drafted him in Dynasty, I guess there's a little bit of a debate at who you draft in a Dynasty league, whether it's him at number one, whether you draft Giannis at number one, whether it would be Davis or Harden, or would you take someone like Embiid? I don't think you could really do that at this point. I think Towns still remains the uh, the clear-cut number one. He is, again, after a slow start, absolutely crushing it. It should go without saying that he is also the young gun of the night because it is only his second season. He's won about 50 of those this season. I'd like, um, I'd like Josh or I'd like Bazaar to, uh, to give us a count on how many young gun of the nights that Townsie has won this season. The waiver wire line of the night, we head to the New York Knicks and it's Courtney Lee who had a, an absolutely huge game, almost knocked Townsy off for the monstrous line of the night. In fact, 16, three and three for Lee. But the real value came in the fact that he had three triples, he had five steals, and he had two blocks. He also was 6 of 10 from the field. Now, Courtney Lee is putting up some impressive numbers. He's a top 100 player over the last month. and Normally, he's not really all that exciting of a fantasy player. But top top 85 is fine. And, and because what he's doing this year is he's he's always been a fairly efficient player, but he's playing more minutes. Last year, he was under 30. In the last month, he's at 34 minutes, but he's shooting 49% from the field, a weird 60% from the line when normally he's like a high 80s guy but he's scoring more, he's getting more rebounds, he's getting more assists and his steals have always been a strength. So Courtney Lee can be owned in all leagues at this point, especially now that Brandon Jennings has been waived by the New York Knicks. Just a weird weird situation. I told you there was something weird going on with New York with the Jennings stuff with his Twitter with um them then reducing his minutes and then I wake up this morning and he's been just waived. Such a, a weird scenario. Apparently, the reason is he said, I, I don't like it that I'm not getting any minutes here, so there's, they said, fine, you don't like getting 15 minutes? Cool. How about no minutes for no team? A very, we know how, we know how screwed the Knicks are, but it just seems weird, and they're also like, no, this is not a tanking move. We think that um, Chase and Randall and Ron Baker can provide the same thing as Brandon Jennings, and we're still pushing for a playoff spot. If you're still pushing for a playoff spot, then you don't know how the NBA works. New York, I'm sorry, that's just as simple as that, but Brando was playing some minutes at the two, and my roundabout way of saying this is this enables Courtney Lee to keep going at 34, 35 minutes a night and being a useful player. So even though his upside is far from sexy, we're heading into this part of the season, and fantasy playoffs have started in many scenarios, then you don't really care too much about upside. You want production. It's all well and good to hold on to a guy like a Josh Richardson who could easily be a top 75 bloke in, in three weeks' time when they decide to go back to playing him 30 minutes a night. But when he's playing eight minutes a night like he did today, then no point. I'd rather have Courtney leave, even though I think Josh Richardson's a much better player with a much higher upside. It doesn't matter so much when you're in the playoffs. Upside means jack shit, really. If you've got a bye week and you're planning for a couple of weeks' time, then upside comes into it. But now we want to start focusing. You've got to start getting your team ready. How do you... Um, rationalize your categories down. Which ones am I winning this week? Which ones am I winning against the other finals opponent? Who is dead weight? Who can I cut? Who can I move on from? You lose, you're out. It's as simple as that. So getting consistent production can be really useful. And that's what Courtney Lee can deliver to you. Just another quick um, message. If anyone who listens to this podcast is in a band and wants to have their music featured on this podcast, let me know. Um, Shout out to the people who have given music to the show already. A couple of them have had to have had to drop out and have their songs removed from the show for whatever issues that there was in, involved in their own things, whatever it is. I thank all those people who had those bands and had their music played on the show. I hope that you enjoyed the extra exposure. If anyone would like their music played on the show, you know where to find me, Twitter, Facebook, email. Send, send, me, uh, send me an email. Send me the songs that you think would go on the show. Think things that you would find or you would you would like to put on. Let me know and uh, we can go from there and uh, and see how we go. But if you are in a band and you want some uh, some exposure on a podcast that has a fairly decent sized audience, let me know and we can uh, we can go from there. As I said, the waiver wire line of the night, of course, well, not the wave wire. The young gun of the night, of course, is Carl Anthony Towns. The dart of the night is Eric Gordon of the Houston Rockets. Just the nine points for Gordo, one rebound, two assists, and he was empty in the steals and blocks category. He hit a three and was three of 11 from the field and a putrid two of four from the line, which is definitely not his strength. Eric Gordon is ranked outside the top 150 over the last month, and he's ranked 120th over the last two months. That hot hot start that he was having is cooled off. Now, he is still hitting three threes a game. He's at 3.5 for the season. He's at three a game over the last month, three a game over the last four games. He's still hitting them. But his field goal percentage has dipped so badly. 37% over the last nine games. 31% over the last four. In the last two months, he's shooting 39%. So if you're not punting field goals, then he's really hard to, to use. He's only giving you... Well, he's giving you almost three assists for the season. But with the addition of Lou Williams, that's down under two. So... Those threes are nice. Three threes are nice, they are really good. We're talking, you know, upper echelon, elite level of three pointer contribution. But if you don't need that, if you're well ahead in threes or you're well down in threes, then there's no point in holding on to Eric Gordon. Lou Williams is going to continue to eat into his, not just his playing time, or not really his playing time, but his assist opportunities, his ball handling opportunities. His, um, his usage will drop a little bit as well, I believe, with Lou around, maybe 1-2%. We're going to see a drop there. And that's going to render him pretty much useless in most leagues outside of being a specialist three-point shooter. And that's what, how you should be considering Eric Gordon. It was a nice run while it lasted, but I think that, uh, it is not lasting any longer. Let's now move on to these games now. There were seven games on Monday. And we'll talk about them now in a little bit of extra detail. The first one of these games was the Golden State Warriors and the Philadelphia 76ers. Kevin Durant returned for the Warriors. He played 33 minutes and had 27, 8, and 4. And we got good Draymond Green back. 14, 6, and 11 for Draymond with five steals. And he was 5 of 10 from the field. So a really good Draymond Green night after a couple of real stinkers. I'm sure his owners are really pleased there. Steph Curry was not awesome. 19, 4, and 6 is okay. But when he goes 0 of 11 from 3 and just 7 of 23 from the field. You know it's not a good Steph night, but that just means that we're going to see some sort of crazy sort of performance from him in one of these upcoming games. Clay, Clay had 21, and Zaza Pachulia with a 16-point performance in under 15 minutes. He had five boards, he had a steal and a block, and he was a perfect 5 of 5 from the field. Zaza is almost fitting into that Courtney Lee type of territory where you, you look at him and go, oh, there's nothing sexy here, there's no upside... But can he help? Yeah, sure he can. But to me, he is more of a streaming sort of a guy than what Lee is, not someone that's a, a must-own character. But on this week here, where we talked about the Warriors yesterday having Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday games, yeah, Zaza, for, now you've got Tuesday, Thursday left, adding him, it could really work out for you, adding guys like Andre Iguodala as well. It can be useful. It's not going to have sustained long-term value, but it's going to be useful. Not much else to really talk about with the Warriors. Iggy did have 10 boards and three steals, and, and he is more of that, yeah, maybe a lesser Courtney Lee again, but more a streaming type option. On to the six as well. The news came out today about Joel Embiid, and I just want to stress the news that came out about Joel Embiid. He's out indefinitely. That does not mean he is out for the season. It could very well mean he's out for the season, but we don't know that yet. The Sixers said they're going to have another MRI and they are confident that he will play this season. Now, in terms of trusting news that comes out of the Sixers regarding injuries, it's pretty much impossible at this point because they've been talking out of their ass for the majority of this season. But hopefully they've learned a lesson from this and this is not just blowing smoke up our ass and telling us that that Joel will play again. Indefinitely just means there is no timetable because they don't know at this point and that timetable will be clarified once those MRI results come back. So it just means there is no there is an unclear time frame as to how long he will be out. It might be two days, it might be a week, it might be four weeks, it might be this season. And you know what? If I was giving odds on it, I'd probably say it's likely that it is the season. But you don't know that yet. So a reactionary drop for a guy that's a top 20 per game performer. When you can most likely, in most cases, now if you're smack bang in the middle of playoffs and you're struggling, you might have to make that move. You might have to say, you know what? My gut's telling me, the odds are telling me that we're not seeing him beat again. He's going to get the dreaded shutdown. We'll see if that actually comes true. And he won't play, then move on. But in any other situation, like I've got him in a roto league, he's just sitting on my bench. Let's just wait. Let's wait to see what they say. I don't need to use him. And in a lot of cases, you'll be able to do that because indefinite does not mean out for the season. It sounds like it's a shitload of time, But it doesn't mean that at all. It just means that they don't know how long it will be. So we'll just wait and see. Now, with Joel likely out for the season, lots of questions. Do I, jelly Joel Okafor's a must-own. Tell you why he's not a must-own, because he had four and three in 17 minutes. And you know what? I've been fairly vocal about how much I think he's not a good player. I put a poll up the other day on Twitter: Who's a better player, Nikola Mirotic or, or Jelly Okafor? And Mirotic got, I think, sixty-five percent of the votes. I'm pretty confident in saying that it's Mirotic, as I was at the time. I looked dumb when you had a twenty-nine and or twenty-eight and ten game the other day, but this is three starts without Noel and without Embiid, and two of them have been absolute turd fests. Richard Holmes is the better player than him. I, I. I I don't think you can make a reasonable argument to say that Holmes is not better than Jolly Okafor. He's clearly better, in my opinion. Now, whether the Sixers and Brett Brown decide to just go, screw it, we're just going to play Holmes more minutes than Okafor, I'm not sure that they're going to do that. But there's going to be, I reckon, at least 50% of the games when Okafor starts and they just go, this is not happening. Sorry, Rashawn's going to play the minutes. He was always going to get murdered against the Warriors and he got murdered in a big way. He had 5,000, in those 17 minutes and got ruthlessly attacked because he's terrible. He is absolutely, objectively terrible. Terrible. That's just where he's at. Holmes, on the other hand, was fantastic. 15, 4, and 2. He hit a 3. He had a steal. He had another 3 blocks and his block rate at the moment is through the roof. He's a really dynamic shot blocker. Um, I love that he's hitting 3s. I love Rashawn Holmes. Is he a guy to add? Sure. If you have confidence that he is going to play more minutes than Okafor moving forward, then he's a, he's a no-brainer ad. But I'm not a hundred, I'm not fully convinced that they're just going to go, sorry, Jaleel, you're only playing 20 a night now because we're giving 28 to, to Holmesy. I think it's going to be 27 Holmes or 27 Okafor, 21, um, Holmes until Embiid comes back. But you want to take that punt on him? There's absolutely nothing wrong with that because his production level is out of control and I've been talking about this guy for two seasons and finally everyone is getting to see how good he is. Bob Cove was great 15 and 8 with four steals and two threes another big night from him same with Dario Saric, who had 21 7 and 7 with a steal. Also just one thing extra speaking of Sharich and Embiid. The, the debate has popped up everywhere. If M doesn't play again this, this season, is he rookie of the year? I'd like to know all your opinions. I did put a, or Jacob put up a post on Instagram about it today, and I've had people chiming in there and on Facebook, but I want to hear your opinions on it. Um, if M doesn't play again this season, is he the rookie of the year? He's only played 31 games. I think he is. And I understand that he hasn't played enough games, but the gap between him and the next best player is so gigantic in my opinion that it doesn't really matter. You can say that, yeah, Sharich is coming on strong now, but for the first three months of the season, Sharich was terrible. So is being terrible for three months better than not playing for three months? What about Brogdon, who barely played early on, got minimized again. By, they can, by the way, they're the only two candidates, Brogdon and Sharich. Absolutely nobody else comes with it, even with a sniff of Rookie of the Year. It's only those two guys. Yeah, Brogdon started 10% of the games. Like you can make the argument that his coach is a knob and he should have started all of them. But I digress. So who is it? Is Emb- I think that if you go, who is the best rookie this season? It's clearly Joel Embiid. He is the biggest rookie influencer, contributor that I've seen in a very long time. Carl Anthony Towns was great, but Embiid actually makes the team unbelievably better. I would still vote for Joel, even if he doesn't play again. And yeah, Sharich could have a big two months, and he probably will. And maybe that would swing me by the time we get to April. We're not voting at this point but it's an interesting thought to start having. TJ McConnell got himself into some foul trouble early in this one and struggled 4-2-3 and three with two steals. I still believe that he is a player that has to be owned. While well, Gerald Henderson had 16 points in his 25 minutes, and Justin Anderson, a nice performance from Justin, 10 minutes, 7-4, but he's a long way from uh, from being a standard league player. The next game, the New York Knicks, they hosted the Toronto Raptors' Kyle Lowry. I don't want to say I told you so because I didn't tell you so. I didn't predict that Kyle Lowry would have wrist surgery and have to miss the next five, six weeks and basically the rest of the regular season. No one can predict that. But what is a constant theme with Lowry is at this point of the year, he gets hurt and he drops off when he plays. And we're not going to get to see him drop off after the All-Star break because he's not going to play after the All-Star break. And I gave you my rant the other day about him continuing to play through the All-Star break with this injury that then caused him to have surgery. A real dick move, and and I'm not impressed with it at all. Big fan of Larry. Hate that move. So Kyle's gone. This is why when he was coming in as the number five-ranked player in December, I was saying, can you sell the shit out of him? Like, get back a top 20 guy and be happy. Never could have predicted this. But the drop was always going to come, and now it's come more severe. So, of course, the question is, who benefits? Well, DeMar DeRozan is going to benefit like crazy. He's going to have a 40% usage down the stretch here. Serge Ibaka is also going to benefit. We've seen him take on a bigger role in the offense, one that I thought would definitely get muted once Lowry returned, but Lowry's not going to return. So we're going to see Ibaka as the second player on this team, the second offensive option, who's also playing big minutes, 36 minutes a night. So he's going to have a, a nice little bump with Lowry not out there. But who replaces Lowry? Well, of course, it's going to be Corey Joseph. He played 34 minutes in this game and had played big minutes in the previous two that Lowry had missed. Only six points in this game, three rebounds, four assists, and two steals. I think you've got to own him everywhere, but it always depends on who you're dropping because when we do the projections on him, yeah, look, he's a fine player. He's definitely not a spectacular option, and he's not going to be a top 50 guy. We've got him barely on the cusp of the top 100, I think 104th or 105th. Which you're in a ten-team league, that's not it's not a hundred percent own in twelve-team. It probably is, but again, it depends on how strong your team is and who you're going to drop. He's not a high upside player, uh, Joseph. He's just not that great. He's good and he's solid and he's dependable. I would love for them to give it to DeLon Wright, but that's just not going to happen. Deion Wright, though, moves into twenty eighteen team league consideration as the backup. He played. 15 minutes here, had five, one and one. Definitely a name to watch for those deeper leagues. Interesting rotational decisions here from the Raptors. Bebe Noguera, Jakob Pertl, eliminated from the rotation. Well, not eliminated. Bebe played two seconds. Of course he did. And Pertl played 54 seconds. So basically eliminated. And the writing is absolutely on the wall because Jonas Valanciunas played just 19 minutes, even with those two guys out of the rotation. Now, JV was still really good, 10 and 5 with two steals and a block on perfect 4 of 4 shooting. And that sort those sort of numbers still make him a 12-team league guy. But the fact that his best-case scenario feels like it's going to be 22 minutes, if there's someone else you want to move, you have to downgrade Jonas very significantly. Because... I think he gets horribly misused in Toronto, and I've said that plenty of times, but I've got no issue with them playing Sergei Barker as the center down the stretch. No problem with that whatsoever. I think that you should be able to find 27 minutes for for JV in the first three quarters and pound him offensively, especially without Lowry there. And he's not as bad a defender as what people do, as what Dwayne Casey seems to make out. But he is going to be severely limited down the stretch. Damari Carroll had 30 minutes for nine points, not for me. And Sergio Barca, it wasn't a great night, 15-4 on 36% shooting. While well, PJ Tucker, 30 minutes one game, 20 minutes the next game, 26 minutes here, 2-5-1 with two steals. So his roles looks like it's going to be a bit all over the place, and that's 14-16 you know, to 16 team leagues. Every time someone goes down in Toronto, it seems to be, oh, Norman Powell's going to benefit. Oh, Kyle Lowry's out. That means grab Powell, and it doesn't. The only situation where we're grabbing Powell is if DeMar Rosen goes out. He only played 18 minutes here. He's still great. A triple one, three and five. Like, I really like Norm Powell, but he's not benefiting really from this Kyle Lowry situation. On to the Knicks, another injury um, update we've got here. Was just- yep, he was uh, he was out, but he's likely to be back for the next game. So that's not too much of a c- concern. The news is is Joachim Noah. Now, Noah originally was reported by Woj to be out for the season. Then it was amended to be four to five weeks. Regardless, I don't think we're seeing Noah again this year. I don't think there's any need for it, A, because he's just perpetually hurt, shoulder, hamstring, knee, whatever it is, and B, he's their third best center, maybe battling with Marshall Plumley for fourth. He's not very good. Obviously, he is done. Now, the question also comes into me now, okay, so what do you envisage now for Billy Hernan Gomez? I don't envisage anything different to what he's been doing the last seven, eight games or however long Noah's been out. Noah hasn't been playing. So it's not like all of a sudden we're going to go, okay, Noah's out for the season. Now let's unleash Billy. He's just going to do the same thing that's been happening the last two weeks or three weeks that Noah's been out. Nothing changes. He played 34 minutes here and had eight and nine. He had a steal. That's fine. It's ownable, but he's not. I think a lot of people look at Hernan Gomez and think that he's this awesome option. I don't think he is. I think he's been somewhat underwhelming recently, to be honest, but I still would own him. The more productive fantasy producer by a considerable margin is Kylo Quinn, in 15 minutes here, he had four six and four with a steal and three blocks. That's brilliant, but if he, he's not going to get enough minutes to be a 12-team league guy, I don't think he is close to it. And even in 20 minutes a game, he can be a guy that cracks the top 100. But it's going to be 22 minutes one night, 16 minutes another night, really up and down. And you might get three 16-minute nights in a row, and you might get three 25 minutes in a row. I don't think we can rely on Jeff on My name is Jeff. To give. Consistent minutes of these guys because it just hasn't been. Look, the last game Hernan Gomez played twenty three minutes and, and O'Quinn played twenty five. So we're not. It's not just all of a sudden these coaches don't go. Oh shit! Well now Noah is officially out for the next four weeks. Now we'll just go with a consistent rotation because it'll just be the same as what they were doing before. So cock, one of the best perimeter producers in the NBA, but will that role be there? That's the concern. Mallow had twenty four and four in his thirty nine minutes. Good night from Mella, and he's going to have more of these, but wasn't a good uh, efficiency night there. Well, Lance Thomas started with us out 12-6 and 6 in 29 minutes. He has very, very limited fantasy appeal. The rumor also floating around today that the Knicks would cut Derek Rose. I cannot see how that benefits them in any stretch of anyone's imagination. Rose is a free agent. You're just going to pay him $25 million to go away? I don't see. I, I do not see that happening. So, but you know what? The NBA is weird like that. Like, why, why would the Mavericks cut Darren Williams and just pay him to go and join another team? And plenty of like, oh, yeah, they're tanking, they're building for the future. You know what you can do? You can just do that by giving the minutes to other players rather than paying him his contract to go and play for another team. I hate buyout season. Really shits me to tears. All right, the next game is the Milwaukee Bucks and the Cleveland Cavaliers for Milwaukee Michael Beasley he has a Milwaukee knee sprain aka ACL tear we don't know that yet it hasn't been confirmed if if it's not an ACL tear I'll eat my hand he was he was running non-contact knee buckled carried to the locker room it's his ACL this is exactly what the, the Bucks did with Jabari Parker it was his ACL. You could tell it looked like it straight away. And then they announced that it was a uh, a knee sprain. And then it was his ACL. This is an ACL for Beasley. He started this game with Chris Middleton out. So what it's going to mean now moving forward is Yanni is going to start at the four. We're going to have Middleton at the three, Snally at the two, and ridiculously, Matthew Dover at the one. Now, in this game with Middleton resting, my man Malcolm Brogdon, he started. And that's how they should run it. I don't think that they will. But it does open up some extra minutes for Brogo. So he played thirty-one minutes, he had twenty three and five with three threes and a steal. He is that much better than Matthew Delavadovo, it's not even funny. And the fact that he continues to play less minutes I don't care if he doesn't start, but the fact that he plays continually less minutes than Daly is a joke. It is absolutely ludicrous. Jason Kidd is ludicrous in so many ways. Brogdon is fine to own. He should be starting. And he's gonna get more minutes with Beasley out. As for Snell, it was okay. Eight and three. while Yarni really struggled. Nine, seven, and eight in forty-two minutes wasn't the best, um wasn't the best night. Now, I don't want to bash Jason Kidd all the time, but I have to. John Henson was announced as the starting center. The arena announces, yeah, you know, John Henson's our starting center. Two seconds at tip off. Oh shit, Thon McCurr is out there. Like, what is going on? For a start, if you go, why is John Henson starting? We've seen this shit a million times, kid. Why is why is he starting? And then he starts McCur. And then, you're Henson off the bench, but you still play him the most minutes out of every one of your centers. He is terrible. He is bad. When you don't play Munro, you lose. And I'm not saying that they would have beaten the Cavs, but when you don't play Greg Munro, you lose. It, it is as simple as anything. And the fact that Jason Kidd can't see that is is honestly disturbing. You're going to have to put up this shit with kid all the time. Now, Munro played 19 minutes and had 13, 3, and 4, so it wasn't a complete write-off. But that could have been 25 and 10. That's, that's the concern with him, is he just makes bad decision after bad decision after bad decision. I, I just... I can't get my head around why he just continually screws with this rotation. The Bucks are 8.1 pers- points per 100 possessions better with Greg Monroe on the court this season versus when he is off the court. We're talking about a not insignificant sample size here, and that's a not insignificant number. That is huge for a team that's that's got a losing record. For him to be 8.1 points per, or the team to be 8.1 points per better off is huge. John Henson, on the other side, negative 6.7. So We're talking about a 15-point swing between these guys. The difference between Delaware Dover and Brogdon is also about as big. I think it's 19 points difference between those guys, minus 9 and plus 10. The decision-making of Jason Kidd is horrible, and I know there's a big portion of the Bucks fan base that wants him fired, and they absolutely should because he's a terrible coach. Don't add Henson. Keep holding Monroe. Add Brogdon. Mirza Toledovic might get some run, but Kid hates him, so I don't think he's going to really benefit too much from Beasley's injury. Onto the Cavs. LeBronald was back 24, 10 and 6 in his 37 minutes. Efficient as anything. Really good game. While Kyrie had 25, 4 and 9 with a pair of steals and a pair of threes. Darren Williams is signing with the Cavs. I don't think that he's a 12 team league guy, but with the way that Iman Shumpert continues to throw up turds every game, we could see a Kyrie-Darren backcourt pairing at times and maybe he gets 25 and 9. And that might mean he sneaks into 14-team league consideration. But again, I I remind you that when Darren Williams was the unquestioned starter and playing 31 minutes a night in Dallas, people still didn't believe that he was a must-own player. Now he's heading to Cleveland, and he's a guy that's probably going to get 20 to 24 minutes. Everyone wants to seem to jump on him as an ad. A really weird situation to me. When he was as clear a must-own as there was in Dallas, but people just were anti-him, and now he goes to a worse situation, and they're more interested in, in owning him. Weird. That's just the over. I'm not telling. I'm not saying that the people that say to me, "Oh, do I add Darren?" Were the people that were telling me to drop him before. But I'm t- talking overwhelming, overwhelming sentiment. I was just like, drop, drop, drop. He's available on waiver wire, and now it's like, oh, all these questions. He's at must own now. He's an ad. like, not really. Kyle Corver hit three more threes and didn't do anything else, and that's par for the course. While Derek Williams had 14 and seven in 27 minutes, he will lose some playing time with Darren coming back. Interestingly, they moved Channing Frye back to the bench and moved Dickie Jefferson into the starting role just for matchup. So apparently Frye will go back to starting after this, but he hasn't been great for three and two in this game in 14 minutes for Frye. I talked about him when he had that first breakout game when he replaced Love just to calm down and don't expect that sort of performance. And he has tailed off significantly. He's a three-point specialist and that's really about where he sits in the fantasy basketball landscape, which is fine if you need that. The next game. The Atlanta Hawks and the Boston Celtics, if you can work out Atlanta, then you're doing better than me. They've been smashed in the last two games, traveled to Boston and smashed them. Tarbo Sefolosha re-entered the starting lineup, and he had a really fantastic stat line. Just the 12 points, but... Two for two, two, two. Yep. Two threes, two steals, two blocks of Richie Benno. He had three rebounds and two assists in just his 21 minutes. I'm not saying that Tarbo is a must-own player, far from it, but he is a guy that if you want those low volume stats, he's going to give you steals, he's going to give you blocks, and he's going to play some minutes. Dennis Schroeder was back starting as well, twenty-one four and five. So any mini panics you had is obviously can be re—you well, can unpanic if that's a word. Tim Hardaway moved to the bench, ten and four with a steal and a block. His twelve team value has flitted away. What seventeen and twelve for Dwight was solid. He got ejected after hanging on the rim, and then the uh, NBA came out and said no, that shouldn't have been a tech. Just one of the dumbest techs. Sorry, it shouldn't have been a ejection because it was a non-unsportsmanlike tech, whatever that means. Shouldn't have been a tech at all. He hung on the rim. Who gives a shit, really? Refs, pull your head in. Torian Prince, thirty minutes for Princey, eight and twelve with two steals and a block. That's twenty-seven minutes in the last game and thirty minutes in this game for Prince. Yes, both of those games were without Mike Dunleavy, who's dealing with an ankle problem. But I don't think that Dunleavy should be in the rotation anyway. Whether Budenholzer thinks that or not, I'm not sure. Um. Really interesting stuff here from Prince. I don't think he's the 12-team league guy yet, but if he's playing 28 a night, he can rebound, he can hit threes, he can get steals, he can score a little. He could be a useful player. So in your 16-team leagues, 18-team leagues, anything deeper, I would grab him and just see where this is going. But that's two big games in a row for Torian. One was a big win, one was a big loss. So it wasn't just total garbage time. He gets in the games early now. I'm interested to see how this goes. Kent Bazemore had 15 and four with a triple one, a decent night, but you can do better in most cases. While Ursan Eliasova, you can absolutely do better than him. Seven and four in 17 minutes for Ursan. On the Boston side of things, Avery Bradley returned. And I was getting lots of questions, man. Who do I drop to activate Avery Bradley? This is why you don't drop necessarily straight away. Yeah, he came back, but he played just 15 minutes and played in the first half only. And apparently he'll be on this minutes restriction for about a week. So look, that's a nice night, two threes and three steals and six points. It's okay, but it's definitely not a situation where I rush to go and add these guys back off my injured reserve spot before they play a game. I think I've mentioned this before, but whenever someone comes back from an injured reserve spot after being out for a while, I leave it a game. You get their first game back, you see what goes down, you see how they look, you see what gets said. Hey, are they going to be on 14 minutes for the next three games? And you leave them there. And then if someone else on your team gets injured, then you do the switcheroo without having to actually drop someone. That's the way that I like to approach it. Marcus Smart saw his minutes drop, but not his production. 16-4-1 with a steal, a block, and two threes still should be owned in punt field goal percentage situations, while Isaiah Thomas had 19-7-7. He had a three and a block, and he went 4-21 of from the field. I did promise that I wasn't going to say anything, so I'll just leave a little gap of silence for you to insert my rant there. Jalen Brown still looked impressive. 26 minutes for Brownie, 15 and five, two threes, an assist, and a steal. Now he will have to lose some of those minutes when Avery Bradley moves from 15 to 35 minutes. But Brown has been super impressive. He's hitting the threes at 40% across February. Look much much better than I could have ever anticipated for him to to be this season. Really impressed with Jalen Brown. I was wrong on him coming into the draft in terms of his fantasy output. Um, really like what he's doing. Not a 12-team league guy, but like what he's doing. And the Brad Stevens, let's screw with Kalia Olenek tour is in full force, 11 minutes for Olenek, two and three, because of course, let's get Cody's not Cody, let's get Tyler Zeller in there for nine minutes. Got to make sure that Jordan Mickey plays three minutes. Um Just completely frustrating with Stevens and Olenek. Continues to be a situation that pisses me off. No end. Al Horford, speaking of getting pissed off, six, six and five with a steal and a block in 28 minutes. That's not good from Horford. But there's a fair bit of overreaction going on about him. Oh, I think I probably need to drop him. Um, there was someone that mentioned today on, on Basketball Monster that they're in a 20-team dynasty league and they're considering dropping Al Horford. I think we just need to calm down a little bit. Uh, yes, he has struggled. He's shooting at like 34%. And the number one rule that I always talk about, if someone's in a slump, if they're shooting just 15, 20, 30% below what they normally do, it won't stick. Robert Covington, remember that at the start of the year when he was shooting 11% and people were going crazy? It won't stick. Al Horford, he won't stick at 34%. The shots will go in. He'll hit him at 55 for two weeks in a row. He's still getting some assists. He's a piss poor rebounder. We know that. Definitely not someone to drop, but it's a a pain in the ass and he hasn't looked great for a big stretch of time here, but he's definitely not a drop guy. Uh, No, he's not a drop guy. Miami and Dallas, the Mavericks get the victory. Goran Dragic, 24-5-6 and six with three steals. While Hassan Whiteside had another big game, 19-19 and 19 for Whiteside with a steal and a block, big numbers for both of those guys, while Tyler Johnson bounced back for 10-4-4 four four with three steals. Dion Waiters still got some nice counting stats going, 12-3-6. He had two steals, he had two threes, but the shooting was not there from both the field and the line, and that's always been the concern. With uh, with uh Dion through his career, still got to keep owning him. Josh Richardson, only eight minutes, so weirdly enough, his minutes are going backwards. I cannot understand the rationale of playing Scooter Magruder and Wayne Ellington and really Dion Waiters ahead of Josh Richardson, especially if he's ready to go. As I touched on earlier... You're in a playoff battle. You're in the playoffs. There's no way that you can hold. His upside is not high enough. It's not top 20. It's not top 30. It's not top 50. You can't hold on to this sort of shit where he could be getting 20 minutes for two weeks. It's not worth it. You're much better off streaming that spot. And If someone else grabs him and he turns into a a 30-minute-a-game guy who gives you top 90 value, then who cares? Really, in the end, all right, whatever. You missed out. But those two weeks of sitting there with sub 200 value, it's not worth it. Love Josh Richardson. One of the biggest fans you'll find of Josh Richardson. But no, move on. Yogi Ferrell. NBA's figured him out. 6-5-5 with a three and a steal. He'll be better than this, though. I do think he'll be better. In a 10-team league, I would drop. In a 12-team league, I would hold. But remember, when JJ Barea comes back in a week, Seth Curry's not going to lose too many minutes. It's going to be Ferrell. He He gets subbed out of this game in the first five minutes for Quinn Cook to come in. Quinn Cook, ever heard of him? I'm sure you have. Uh, Cook, Cook is a decent player, but it's his first NBA game, despite being draft-eligible two years ago. 2-2-2 two, two and two for Quinn Cook, but not in the good Richie Benno, Benno manner in his, his first game. We'll go back to Ferrell, though. I, I just don't think that he's all that good. And uh, diamonds in the rough do occur occasionally, but often they don't. And there's a lot of things going against Ferrell. Fine to keep owning it, but just don't consider him unexpendable. Nolan's Noel off the bench again, 25 minutes, six and six with a steal and a block. He is going to ramp up. That's a different situation to Josh Richardson. He's still producing at a pretty high level, and once the 30 minutes come, it's going to blow up. Seth had a great night, 29 with five triples and three assists, while Wes Matthews had nine. In a 10-team league, I wouldn't be owning Wes Matthews, I don't believe. The Pencil Harrison Barnes had 24 and four, while Dirk had eight and 12, a little bit of a substandard night there. From Big Dirk Nowitzki, Let's move on to the next game now. It's the Indiana Pacers and the Houston Rockets. Paulie George still couldn't shoot anything, 5 of 16, but 15, 7 and 5, three steals and a block and three triples. That's a nice performance, especially considering it was under 30 minutes and he, as he battled foul trouble. And the Pacers, who were down 18 to 2 to start the game, ended up winning 117 to 108, a real turnaround after those first five or six minutes. Jeff Teague had a big game as well. Even with Pat Beverly on him, 25, 8, and 6 fatigue, while Miles Turner had 12 and 6 with three blocks in just 28 minutes. Monte Ellis, 32 minutes for Monte, 12, 7, and 8. It came on 75% shooting, so it's fluky, but the seven boards and the eight assists have got nothing to do with that. I'm still not convinced that Monte is a must own guy, but he is creeping back into considerations after I said that his career was over. He's definitely uh, fought back from that. CJ Miles had nine points in 17 minutes in a start, while Thad Young, the deuce, he had eight and five in his 23 minutes. That's three substandard games in a row from Thad. If he gets dropped, I would add him. And if I own him, I would hold him, but I'm not going to give him a huge amount of leeway. Rod Stuckey had 17, six and three in 22 minutes. Probably his best game of the season, but putting too much faith in that's probably, uh, probably fool's gold. Also love that Rakeem Christmas continues to play with Al Jefferson out with dental paint. 10-3 for Rakeem in 20 minutes. I like Rakeem Christmas, but we're talking 30 team leagues here. Onto the Rockets. Jim Harden, 25, 7 and 12, and a really substandard shooting night. He went five of 17 and he has not been able to hit his shots post All-Star. That will obviously change. Lou Williams, on the other hand, continues to look great. He played 28 minutes here, 28-3-1, five triples a steal and a block, and did it on 53% shooting. Lou Williams is shooting at beyond career high levels this year. We're talking 7, 8, 9% above where he normally is. He continues to crush it. I did think that he would take a step back in Houston. It hasn't really happened. He st- I did say he still had to be owned, and he still does have to be owned. And I'm not convinced that he can keep up this level of play, but he's looked great in these three games. Cling Capella only the 24 minutes, but still eight and seven with a pair of steals and blocks. Good night. Wish they would unleash him more. I don't understand why we need four minutes of the table. Montrez Harrell in there. Just won't won't ever understand that. Pat Bev had two six and four, while Ryan Anderson only played 23 minutes and had 12 and three. He struggled, in a pretty big way, as did Trev Ariza. The last game of the night was the Minnesota Timberwolves. They traveled to Sacramento. Rick Rubio. It's just it's just much of the same for the Timberwolves every game. Nine, five, and eleven with two steals for Rick. Wigo had twenty-seven, four, and one with four steals. A huge night from Wigo to get twenty-seven points and four steals. But we had a little bit of a surprise. We had Nemanja Bielica play thirty-five minutes. He just decided, you know what, screw everything. I'm taking as many shots as I want. He took fifteen of them. Hit four. But it was a weird situation where he went 10 and 12 with two steals and two threes. When this happens with Tom Thibodeau, very much likely the next game, he goes back and plays 18 and Gorgijeng plays 35. Just occasionally, Thibodeau will have these one-off performances where a guy gets hot or gets starts feeling it or whatever weirdness happens, and he runs with it for a game. Jeng had 2-10 and in his 20 minutes, missed all eight of his field goal attempts that allowed Bielitsa to get that extra playing time. Tyus Jones has now played 20-plus minutes in three consecutive games, 27 here, 6-1-5. I hope everyone is seeing how good this kid can be. He's not a 12-team league guy yet, but he's definitely cutting into Brandon Rush's minutes, and he's playing more than Chris Dunn, as he should. Deeper league, 16-teamers, there's value there in Tyus, and he absolutely has streaming ability. For a guy who can get you five to six assists a night in 20-plus minutes... That's um, that's clearly value. So Tyus is someone to watch. Now, Sacramento, I have got absolutely no idea what is going on with this rotation. Ty Lawson starts one game. He comes off the bench the next one. He starts the next one. He goes from 30 minutes to 20 minutes to 35 minutes. I don't know what it means. He played 35 here and had 11, 1, and 9 with two steals. That pushed Tyreek Evans to the bench, but Evans was still productive at 13, 5, and 2 with three triples of steal and a block. Evans should be owned in all leagues. Lawson not so much more a fourteen teamer, but if you remain starting and playing thirty minutes, then you own Ty Lawson. But we just don't know at this point. Ben Mclemore's gone from twenty to thirty to twenty minutes again. Fourteen and four. Mclemore's a deeper league guy. Bud Heald, how do you reckon? Uh, do you reckon that Bud and not Bud. Do you reckon that uh, Jaeger and Vivek are going to have the conversation, and Vivek's going to be like, Dave, can you can you just play this bloke? Just give him thirty five and give him fifteen shots a game because he's not good. We're aware of that, and he's struggling here in, in Sacramento. There's no reason to have him in a 12-teamer, probably even a 14-teamer. Will Corley-Stein, much better than his second effort. 14-6-5 with a steal and a block. Should be owning Will Corley-Stein, but we just got to remember that 29-10 and 10 from Game 1 is an unrealistic expectation to hold, and this is not a bad sort of line. 14-6-5, a six, steal and a block. The assists are high. Don't expect those. But poor free throws, substandard field goals. That's what you got to expect from him. Also, a nice game from Scalabissier, who had 4-6 and six in his um, 14 minutes. Can't also negate Costa Koufos, the oldest-looking 20-year-old man in the NBA. Well, he's not 20, 27-year-old man, I think he is. He looks like he's 58, at least 14 and 11 in 25 minutes for Koufos. He looks like he's from Season 2 of The Wire, um, and, and I don't know why I can't get that vision out of my head. He looks like he's working on the docks. He is... He is from season two of the wire. Big game. First big game, though, without Cousins. I wouldn't be reading too much into it. Definitely just a deeper league guy at this point, and we're still without Aaron flylow and Garrett Temple, so the backcourt rotation has got the potential to be screwed up even further as we move forward. All right, I'm going to take a quick break, and then we're going to be back to preview the six games we've got on Tuesday from a DFS point of view. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores, while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends ten thirty one seventeen. All right, guys, let's talk. Perfect DFS lineups on Fangio. Goran Dragic had forty one, and Jeff Teague had forty point six. The shooting guards, DeMar DeRozan forty nine point six, and Courtney Lee had thirty six point one. Small forwards. Good luck if you had this combination of Torian Prince at thirty one point nine and Tabo Cefalosha at twenty five point six. Power forward Draymond Green forty three point seven. Dario Saric, 39.2. And Carl anthony Towns at 56.4 for a total of 364.8. And that cost you $60,000. On DraftKings, Goran Dragic, 44.25. Lou Williams, 39.25. Nemanja Bjelica 33.25. Draymond's at 48. Towns is at 60.25. DeRozan at 51.5. Prince at 33, and Courtney Lee at 38.75 for a total of 348.25, and that cost you 50000 bucks. So both perfect lineups costing the full amount of salary on Monday's games. There are six coming up on, um, on Tuesday. It's the day we're talking about, so let's uh, get straight into those. The first one of those games we're going to be talking about is the Golden State Warriors. They are in Washington. It's a back-to-back. Apparently, they will not be resting any players, but that could change was the information that came out of Warriors camp, Wizards don't have any injury concerns unless you count Daniel LeChufu as someone that you care about for DFS, which you shouldn't. The Warriors are favored by six and a half points here in the total. We've got a massive 229.5 point total. This is a great stack opportunity for GPPs. Draymond, Porter, Beal, Wall, Durant, Markeef, Gortat, Curry, lots of guys you can throw in, even a boy on Bogdanovich. You can stack the shit out of this game. It should be relatively close. We should get... Um, Big scoring, yeah, by far the biggest over/under. The other one you can look at there is Denver Chicago, but this is a great situation to stack for your uh, GPP situations. In terms of cash, I don't know if anyone really stands out as being a great play, but there's still a little bit to to gain from it. At point guard, John Wall comes in at ten thousand dollars. Has been a little bit under that of recent times, averaging just forty-six over the last five, and he's at ten-three. On on DraftKings, again, just a little bit too highly priced. It's not a terrible play to use it. He has had some decent games against the Warriors in recent times, but hasn't consistently been great against them, averaging 41 across the last three. But he could have a big one. I'd lean more towards him being just a GPP sort of a player. As for Steph, he's at 9,300. Terrible today, only the 33 points. But often when Steph goes hitless from the three-point line. The last time that happened, I believe he hit 13 threes in a game. So we could be getting a big one. He has done fantastically well against the Wizards, some huge games last season. But I do think that Steph at 9,300 makes a great GPP play, but I'm not feeling all that confident in using him in in cash games. The shooting guards, Braddles Beal is at $7,000. It's a, um, it's a marginally negative game for him. He's probably a little bit highly priced in the salary situation, especially on DraftKings where he comes in at 7,200. But I do, I do think he's worth a look on Fanjul, but again, more GPPs. Clay Thompson's always a GPP guy at 7,100. He averages just 23 points the last three times he's taken on the Wizards, but his consistency level is so damn low that you can't trust him in cash. Otto Porter at 6,200 as a small forward. I don't feel good about Porter at that price. I love it if he could get enough touches. He just doesn't get enough touches. Not for me, especially not with the Kevin Durant matchup. And speaking of, Kev, he's at $10,400. has not historically done all that well against the Wizards. You can talk about coming home narratives and all that stuff, but hasn't historically done well. I like him a lot more on DraftKings where it is a positive matchup and he comes in at $9,700. I think that's a really good spot for him. Not so much on uh, on Vangel where it's 10400 it's not terrible, but it's worth, it's worth a look and, yeah, I would prefer DraftKings though. Boyan Bogdanovich is at $3,800. Had 30, 20 points in 33 minutes in the last game. I feel doubtful that he plays 33 again and even if he does like his ability to produce points is not high enough that I would want to lock him in or make him a core piece of lineups and andre igadala be great at 4000 at 45 i'm not totally feeling that and he's at 44 on draftkings also the power forward situation draymond's at 72 he had 44 points today that's a big night it's a good matchup for him as well. Do you think Draymond can back it up? I think he's a fairly good chance to. Do so I do like having him a part of lots of GPP situations and I wouldn't shy away too much from him in cash. I think there's a decent value there. Whereas Markeith Morris was battled foul trouble the last two games. He's at 6,500. This matchup does not scream to me. Let's use Markeith Morris at 6,500. It doesn't, doesn't ring true to me at all. I'll, uh, I'll pass on him for another player. At center, we got Marching Gortat, 6,500. No, thank you. No, thank you. He played 28 minutes in the last game, and now he gets to play against the team where centers go to die. That will not happen for me. Sorry, Marcin. I think we'll get a bit more of Markeith at center. I will not be spending that on him. Young Zaza, Petrulia, JaVale, McGee. Now, Zaza had 29 today, but at 4,500, I don't really feel all that confident in rolling him out there and thinking that he's going to do that again. Could happen. I just don't think the confidence well I no I don't think I know that the confidence is not there for me to do that. The Portland Trailblazers and the Detroit Pistons, the Pistons are favoured by five and the total is two hundred and fourteen point five points. Let's talk point guards, let's talk Reggie Jackson, he's at fifty three hundred, he had thirty in the last game. He's got a brilliant record against Portland. Um the Portland's tightened things up a little bit, point guard defense wise still doesn't mean that I think they're good. But that price for Reggie Jackson makes him a very interesting target. It also means that there is still risk associated with him. That's why he's that low. Will he play 18 minutes? Will he play 33 minutes? And that's why I would look to use Reggie as a GPP guy. And I wouldn't have full confidence in using him in cash. Dame Lillard is always a GPP guy. He's at 8,400. Yes, he had 47 in the last game, but he's averaging under 39 in his last five. And that's nowhere near good enough at that sort of price tag. You can do much better than Damian Lillard. The other guy you could consider is Ish Smith. For the same reasons that you might not consider Reggie Jackson, what if they go and give Ish 26 minutes at 4,400? If there's no other cheap point guard that you're looking for, Ish can be that guy. He could go out there and give you 30 points at 4,400 and that could work out, but obviously, you know, trusting it in cash is going to come undone for you pretty quickly. At shooting guard, Contavius Kowal Pope has been great the last couple of games. 5,400 for him. He had 30, he's averaging 34 across the last three. It's a super good matchup for him. So I would be interested. DraftKings at 5,900. I'd be less interested. But KCP is a real tough one to rely upon in cash. Well, given the matchup here, I wouldn't feel it's a terrible move to go with him. It's also not the most secure. CJ McCollum's at 7,400. He has been nowhere near that level, averaging under 20. 20- 29 points over the last five, and the KCP defense is a real worry. So, McCullum, no thank you. Small forwards, Mo Harkless, still underpriced. 4,800 for Mo. Love that. That's almost a core play for me. Uh, 29 points in the last game. The minutes are going to be fairly large. He's been 35 plus the last two. He's a $4,700 guy on DraftKings. Hard to go wrong in the current situation. The Blazers are in with moharkas I really do like him here. Marcus Morris at 59 I feel like that's, that's his best case scenario, that he gets to $5,900, and that's not the type of player that you want to use in DFS. So you can uh, most likely do better than him in most cases. Let's talk power forwards. The tackle box, John Lua. A lot of people ask me, why is he called the tackle box? Because a lure is something that, is a tackle in fishing. You know, a tackle is a tackle box where you put all your hooks and your lures for fly fishing. Therefore, that is why John Lua is called the tackle box. Maybe he shouldn't be called it. Maybe maybe it doesn't quite make sense. But anyway, that's why he's the tackle box. Lua, fishing, fishing, lure, tackle box. John Lua. 4,600 for John. Yeah, you can probably do better. Although, we've seen big men against Portland go big. GPPs only, though, for the tackle box. As for Toby Harris at 54 I think we look at him as a GPP guy. Got a great history against uh, Portland, so it should make you somewhat intrigued without being overly committed to him. Al Camino I also like on some sites. At 5,600 on FanGel, he might be just pushing towards the higher end or that's the higher price that I would pay. 5,000 on DraftKings looks really good. He's averaging 34 points the last three games. Came back from that knee injury and put up 28 in 29 minutes. I think you're going to see a big performance from Al So I do really like him on DraftKings, less so on Fangio, but it's definitely not uh, definitely not a write-off or anything like that. Noah Vonley? Yeah, cool. At center, Yusuf Nurkic, 5,300. We saw the bad Yusuf Nurkic in the last game. Foul trouble, only 17 points. He's at 5,300. Andre Drummond's defense has been a query a lot of the season. I like using I like use Nurkic here. 58 on DraftKings definitely an in-play guy. Andre Drummond like players like Dame Lillard. They're GPP only guys. He put up 55 and a half the last game. Drummond at 8100 and Portland is one of the worst teams in the NBA at stopping centers. That doesn't always mean anything though to Drummond. I would not want to use him in cash, but he becomes one of the better GPP guys with tremendous upside and horribly low downside. Sorry, I misspoke. He didn't have 55 in his last game. He averages 55 against Portland the last three times. He had 36 in his last game. Averages 55 against Portland. A great GPP option. Um, If you're using myers Leonard or Aaron Baines, then you are magic eight-balling the shit out of this lineup. Let's go to the next game. The Phoenix Suns and the Memphis Grizzlies. We've got the Grizzlies. They are favored by 10 points. The total is 211. Brandon Wright has missed the last couple of games for personal reasons for Memphis. If he is out, it does boost Zach Randolph, and it does boost Jermichael Green and pushes them somewhat into the discussion but more into a gpp type of discussion let's talk about the point guards mick conley's at eight thousand. he crushed phoenix the last time they played i love that at that price he he's coming off a 46 point game himself but he's a almost a 40 point guarantee especially in this sort of an environment against phoenix he absolutely tore them a new one and i'll never forget it because i had first place in a gpp until he went out and dropped about 70 points in three quarters and overtook me and beat me by about four points so thanks mick never forget that but Hey, he's got got them again, and he is in some pretty decent form, Conley. As for Eric Bledsoe at 8,500, a little bit of a disappointing game in the last one, and he has struggled against Conley and the Grizzlies. I think fading Bledsoe is probably the right way to go. If you wanted to go cheap on a point guard, maybe Tone Douglas, but in general, probably not. At shooting guard, Devin Booker, 6,500, has not had a good go of it against Tony Allen. I think that will continue Um. yeah, no no interest. Tone Allen's had five steals in each of the last two games and still averaging just 18 points in his last three games. At 4,600, I would want to find a better option than Tone Allen. Troy Daniels is someone that at minimum salary on DraftKings, $3,000. Yeah, he can get hot. He might be worth throwing into a GPP as your Hail Mary type of guy. But that's really... About it, I would think. I don't think we need to get too worked up about Troy Daniels. I love TJ Warren here at fifty three hundred. The minutes are coming out of his ass. He's putting up big numbers, well, big enough to justify fifty three hundred. Anyway, so I really like TJ on DraftKings. I'm not as much of a fan because he comes in at five thousand five hundred, a little bit more expensive. But FanJul, I would smash the shit out of him at that price. I really do like that. Chandler Parsons and Vince Carter are tough to use. At power, forward. Marquise Chris at 4,400. If you're using him in cash, you might as well just eat your money. You can't rely upon what he can do. Yes, he's had a 32-point game in the last five. Yes, he's had an 11-point game. Foul trouble is going to always limit Chrissy. And matching up against Zebo and Marcus All that's not an easy way to stay out of fouls. Not a good option in this one. As for Zebo, he had 35 in that last game, which at 6,000 clearly pays off the salary. But he's too up and down. If Wright is out, he will play backup center minutes. And that does help Zebo, So you would consider him a GPP guy in that spot, Jermichael Green. I'm just not really interested in using him. We'll talk Memphis centers first. Marcus Gasol is at 8,200. I like the upside of using him here. I don't think that it's worth it in cash at eighty two hundred, but I do on, on DraftKings at seventy six. Do think there's cash value there? But the question that's everyone's going to want to ask is, what do we do with big source Alan Williams? He put up forty six points in the last game in thirty four minutes. Fanjula said, right, we're not having that. He is now a five thousand dollar player. DraftKings guys, you can you can have an advantage. You can take him at forty one on DraftKings, and I think you absolutely should. Now, will he play thirty four minutes? Will he be able to stay out of foul trouble and play thirty-four minutes against Marcus? Because if there's anyone that's worse at committing fouls than Marcus, Chris, it's Alan Williams. So that's the concern, and it would feel tough to use him in cash just for this reason. But at forty-one hundred, you almost have to on at five thousand on Fangio. More more of a GPP only type of a guy, but still that upside is is no doubt there. Now Alex Lynn has been a stinker in the last two games. He's at forty-eight hundred on Fangio. But he's down to 4,000 on DraftKings. I think that is a really interesting contrarian GPP guy. Everyone will be going big source. And if Alex Lenz starts and gets 30 minutes and puts up a 35er, I think that really does work in your favor. And that's the way you've got to think in GPP sometimes is go, okay, well, will this guy, um, will this guy be, will he be able to separate me from the rest of the, from the rest of the guys that I'm going up against, for the other guys in the tournament. Will will I be able to separate myself from him? I think Alex Lynn gives you that point of differentiation if everyone's going to be going big source. But at 4,800 at FanGil, I'm not uh, I'm not hundred uh, percent in on that. Now I do have a question that's coming, so I am gonna answer these live questions. Ernest Neal. Ernest, if you are still listening, I'd like some clarification on this question. He says, Reggie Jackson or Nurkic, who do you think has more upside? Well, Ernest, as I'm going to say to all these questions, what do you want? Do you want big man stats? Do you need blocks? Do you need rebounds? Or are you talking DFS here? If you're talking DFS, um, I, I would take I would take Nurkic. Um, but if you're talking seasonal leagues, you know, what do you need? Do you need a point guard? Do you need a big man? Because it's it's never it's never as simple as who's the best player. And that's what I stress to everybody. And people are going, you know, "Who's the most valuable? Who gives?" It, it never, it's never that simple because the difference between the player who's ranked seventieth and the player that's ranked one hundred fortieth is so minimal. And sometimes, yeah who's better?" And there'll be a guy ranked one hundred twentieth or one hundred thirtieth, and the difference is infinitesimally small. Like if he shoots 05 percent lower, then he jumps from one thirty to one eighteenth. Ernest has clarified, so you are still watching. Ernest says DFS. Yeah, I will take Nurkic over Jackson. Um, I don't fully have trust in Stan Van Gundy. Yes, he played him 34 minutes last game, Reggie Jackson, but I don't have trust that he will give him those minutes. I think if Nurkic stays out of foul trouble, the big minutes will be there, and Andre Drummond has shown an ability to be exposed. So that's a good question, Ernest. I would, I would put Nurkic in at this early stage of lineup construction. Let's uh, move on to the next game now. We have got... Where are we? We've got the Denver Nuggets. And they're taking on my Chicago Bulls. I swear to God, when I woke up this morning, there was all these notifications on my phone about people getting waved. And I didn't know what was going on. First of all, I saw Brandon Jennings getting waved. And then I saw Derek Rose might be waved. And then I saw that the Bulls might wave Michael Carter-Williams and Isaiah Cannon. I go, what that, what's going on here? It turns out one of those was true. But did I imagine all these other rumors? I don't know. It felt really weird. But why wouldn't the Bulls waive someone when you've got match rights in restricted free agency? Why wouldn't just? Why wouldn't you just waive them? <laughs> Idiots. Um, the Bulls are favoured by three and a half points, and the total is 221, so the second biggest total on the entire slate here. The point guards. Um, 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 we know that Michael Carter-Williams is out, so that's something. We know that Paul Zipser is out, but the Bulls have got jaron grant who started the last game they have got rajon rondo who's playing 25 a night and they've got the player that they hope to be their point guard of the future cameron payne now all the talk coming out of chicago is that he will be the starter but they don't know if it'll be this game will it be here will they start to ease him in? he played um just 12 minutes in the last game his first game for chicago will they will they Go in and start him. Now, I don't think that if they start him, he's playing 30. I think he's going to be a 24-minute-a-night starter. But if you want to take a low-owned punt on a guy who's fairly lowly priced, and that's exactly what campaign is. He's not a highly-priced player. He's at 3,200 on DraftKings, 4,000 on Fangio. You can, um, you could take a punt, but I'd want to hear him named as the starting point guard first before I, before I went down that route on the Nuggets, Jameer Nelson's going to start. He's at 5,600, and he's been sort of in that zone. I'm not sure if he's really got high enough upside, but for cash in a positive matchup, I've got no issue with using Jameer Nelson. I think that he is a really worthwhile guy to take a look at in this scenario. 5,400 for him over on DraftKings as well. Jamal Murray, he will be the backup point guard with no Emmanuel Moutier. Murray lit up the bulls the last time they played for 34 points. He's a minimum salary guy. Hey, you want to feel frisky? Maybe you take a punt on him but I don't feel that it's a great spot. Let's talk shooting guards. Gaz Harris has been on fire. 5500 for Gazza and he's averaging over 30 points across the last 3. Love it. Love it. I want Gaz in in lots of lineups at 5900 on DraftKings. I'm probably not as um probably not as bullish as him uh, on him over there, but you know that I'm a big Gaz fan. Dwayne Wade is at 8000 bucks. I think that's a not, not a bad or well, it's a great spot. It's a great matchup. He put up forty-five in the last game. I don't actually have too much of an issue with eight thousand for Wade and it's seventy-five on DraftKings. I think it becomes a really nice option. And and stacks of say Butler, Wade, Miritich, um, Jokic could really work out in in a real big way. Throwing Gaz Harris, throwing Jameer. Yeah, there's some definite stackability in this matchup here. Uh, Farton Will Barton's at 5,900. No thanks. He had 13 points in 25 minutes in the last game. I don't trust him to get a big enough role. Denzel Valentine, nice role in the last game. 16 points in 20 minutes. He's at 4,300 though. I'm just not sure that he's going to play enough for him to be considered a, a guy that I want to have all in on. I'm all in on Jim Butler here, though, 9,300. I think you should be feeling pretty confident at least 40 and probably at least 45 from Jim here. 93 on DraftKings as well. Real tough to go past using him. Yeah, almost close to a core player. Wilson Chandler's at 66. Yeah, he had a decent game in the last one, but at 66, sorry, Wilson, that's a little high, and 67 for the rooster Danilo Gallinari. I reckon that's probably overpriced somewhat as well. Now, we've got no Ken Fareed for the Nuggets, so Wilson Chandler will probably start at power forward as well. Also, I chucked a poll out on Twitter today asking, who do you think will become the better of the Hernan Gomez brothers, Juancho or Billy? Unsurprisingly, Billy is winning the poll 60 to 40. But to me, I think the, that Juancho is by far the better prospect and by far going to be the better player. Everyone is very, um, as I said before, everyone loves Billy Hernan Gomez. They really think that he's going to become uh, uh, going to become awesome. I think that show is going to become awesome, and I think that Wancho, if you get the if, the, if the, you're in a dynasty league and say you're out of it and you've got Billy and someone offers you show, I would take that immediately, immediately. I think that he is going to become the best fl- player out of those brothers, and in the end, it's not um, it's not really going to be close. But anyway, Power forward. Nikola Jokic is at 9500. The Bulls front court has been somewhat of a negative for opposition players recently. He's at 8900 on DraftKings, but I do feel that he's going to turn it around. I don't think Mason Plumlee's addition is a problem. Plumlee played like 16 minutes in the last game and they barely were on the court together. I don't think that's an issue. I think that Jokic will be fine. I think he's looking at you know really 50 point upside here and I'm really excited to see what he can do. But he is a little bit tough to rely upon with the recent level of form that he has been showing. How about Nikola Mirotić at 4,400? Absolutely love that. 30 minutes in the last two games, 32 points in the last game. You know I'm a big Mirotić fan. There is still an element at risk because Hoyberg could go with Bob Portis and jerk Mirotić around, and, and he could struggle. But at 5,000 on DraftKings and the 44, especially on FanDuel, absolutely love Miritic there. Now, as for Bob Portis... No, thank you. No, not for me. 4,100. He had 12 points in 19 minutes in the last game. He's not good enough to demand enough playing time. He's at 44 on DraftKings. Sure, you want it. You could go contrarian, because I think a lot of people will go Miritich and throw Portis in, but I just don't see a situation where he's good enough to actually put up those numbers. So I am uh, not in on Bob Portis. I'm sure that would shock all of you. Robin Lopez at 4,000. You know what the thing about Bob Portis is? I was so in on him when we drafted him. Really, really excited. Then I watched him play. I went, man, is this guy ever going to get it? Is he ever going to... I know he's only two years in, but he just looks lost. Or well, He has been bad. He might become good. He is bad at the moment. At center, Robin Lopez, 4,800 eh, GPPs. I would really look at him, and that's about it. Mason Plumley. I don't think there's much, uh, much hope for him to do anything. Utah and Oklahoma City is the next game. It's an even spread, and we've got 204.5, so the lowest total of the day, which is pretty standard for Utah games. Victor Oladipo is listed as questionable with those back spasms that have kept him out of the last two. If he misses time, it's going to be Alex Abrines who has started the previous two games and put up big numbers. And you would, you would absolutely have to consider him an option if, uh, if Vic goes out at point guard. Of course, we're talking about Russ Westbrook. He's at $12,000 over on Fangio. That's an $800 price reduction. So that's getting sexy, but the opposition, the pace is not sexy. Now you can say that Westbrook is matchup proof as much as you want, but he's averaging under 50 the last three times against the Jazz. So that's not matchup proof. It's still pretty good. It's still 50 bloody points. Like it's still good but it's not a 60. So there's a little bit of um, hesitancy with me with Russ, but not enough for me to say avoid him, fade him, get rid of him, nothing like that. But it is a situation to be aware of. Georgie Hills at $6,000, really been playing well recently. I don't mind him, but more of a GPP guy, I think, here. And um, Samadja Kristen, cool. Shooting guard, how about Rocket Rodney Hood? He looked all right in the last game, 22 points in 27 minutes at 4,100 here. It's definitely a punt option, and it's definitely not one I feel confident with, but a GPP, I think that Rod could actually get 30 minutes and start to put up a big night here, and he's going to be really low-owned. He's at 41 on both sides. He is someone that I would definitely have a look at. As for Oladipo at 5,700, if he plays and they say he's all right, still wouldn't go there. It's a terrible matchup, and yeah, coming off back spasms, I'm not fully confident. In that happening, Joe Johnson, Joe Ingles, Gordy Haywood. Yeah. I don't know why I put Haywood in with those guys because he's obviously better. He's at 7,900, Gordo. Andre Robison's the concern here with Gordon Haywood, so I'll probably fade him in this scenario. And Dougie McDermott, yeah, no. As for Robison, shooting the lights out recently, not going to continue. So at 4,300, I think you'll be hard-pressed to get that sort of level of production out of Robison moving forward. At Powerfort, Ennis is at 5,500. Against his former team, he put up 35 in the last game. I don't hate it. I don't love it. The defense of Utah is a problem, and Rudy Gobert's involved, so I don't love Ennis, but if you want to take a a narrative-based flyer, go ahead. 5,000 for Derek Favors. He's looked spry, but 5,000 might be a little high considering those games where he has looked spry. He's getting a 25, 26 points, not really enough. No thanks for Taj Gibson at center. Steve Adams at 5900 Rudy Gobert is a factor, so that's a no from me. And as for Gobert, Steve Adams is a factor as well. He's at 7900 Gobert, and he has really struggled against Adams, averaging just 26 points the last three times he's matched up against the Thunder. So Gobert at that sort of salary, yeah, that's a no from me as well. Let's now crack on to the last game of the night. It's the Charlotte Hornets and the Los Angeles Lakers. Where are we? The Hornets are favored by it three and a half, and the total is 216. Now, Cody Zeller, I don't know if he's going to play. We haven't heard any news. At this point, the Hornets and the Hornets Charlotte Observer, the Charlotte Hornets game notes on NBA.com have got Cody Zeller not listed as a potential starter or a probable starter, but they've got the injuries, and they say TBD, so they don't have him in there. Even They even have Miles Plumlee in there, who's been ruled out for the next couple of weeks. I think it's safe to say that Cody Zeller is not playing in this game. So everybody whip your Frank Kaminsky's out. That's what that's what I'm assuming. I don't think we're getting Cody play in this game. Let's talk about the point guards cuz this is where the value and it, you know what there's a shit ton of value in this game. There is this is a this is a stackable game as well. Heaps of, heaps of stacks you could have of Charlotte and the Lakers. D'Angelo Russell's at 6,400. He is averaging 35 over the last three games. A beautiful matchup for him against Kemba Walker. Love that. Geordie Clarkson's at 5,200 has been nice, but not quite $5,200 worth of value. So on FanDuel, he might be just a little bit highly priced. Um, on DraftKings, it suits him a little bit better where he's at 52, but I like both of these guys on both sides. As for Kemba Walker, crushed it against the Clippers, but even though he had a big game, it was still only thirty-eight points, and at eighty-two hundred, sorry, Kemba, you need to do better. Now he's got a great record against the Lakers, as do all point guards. So I really do like him as a GPP type of an option, but his um, his recent numbers just haven't been living up to that level of salary. If we talk shooting guards, Uncle P is someone I don't care about. Jeremy Lynn is at forty. Not Jeremy Lin, Jesus. Jeremy Lamb is at forty-one hundred dollars. Massive game in the last one. I reckon his ownership percentage will jump 5 or 10% based on that, and I think that that's chasing glory, and I don't think it'll work out. Uh, Lamb's okay, but uh, how often does Steve Clifford just go, no, thanks, mate. You're not. It's not happening for you today. Nicola Batum, 7,500. He put up 44 in a monster against the Clippers, probably a little bit highly priced at 7,500 over on Fangio. In most cases, you can do better than that, I reckon. Let's talk small forwards. Um, the only one really of any note here, maybe Michael Kidd Gilchrist, but no, Brandon Ingram at 4,000. Now, I've I've bashed on Brandon Ingram a bit, but he had a decent game in the last one. It was a career high, had 22 real points, and that translated into 23 DFS points. Now, by no means am I saying that he is a must roster player, but the upside is there at those four thousand and forty-two hundred dollar price points. That he absolutely should be in your stacks of this game, and it could work out. He could have a twenty-five. He could have a twenty-six. We've seen him do that, so I like Ingram in that sort of a sense. At power forward, Larry Nance did nothing in the last game. GPPs only. Julius Randle. I'm not feeling overly confident. Fifty-nine hundred. I don't think that's a good price for him. And Frank the Tank comes in at 5,900, limited in the last game with foul trouble, but I think that he is almost a lock to see over 30 points, especially in this game against the Lank- late the Lakers against the Lakers, almost uh, almost a core guy. I would say, assuming that Cody Zeller is out, as we do. Marv Williams at 5,100. That's okay, but I do love him at 47 on DraftKings. A great matchup, and it's a really good spot to use him. Now, at center, the only center we're talking about is Ivica Zubats. He is at 3,600. Lots of noise being made in the Lakers about we need to give him more minutes. Just do it. Just do it. Now, it appears that they won't start him this week or in the next week or two, but hopefully the minutes come up. But at 3,600 for Zubats, he's got the ability to have 25 or 26 points in only 20 minutes. That's why I wouldn't want to use him in cash, but against Frank the Tank, I think that he is fine to use in a GPP. In fact, I really like him as a low price center. He's the best low price center that is out there on the board. All right, let's uh, let's start start wrapping this up. We'll talk picks of the day on Fangio Ish at four thousand four hundred, D'Angelo at sixty four, and Mick Conley at eight thousand. At shooting guard, Rocket Rodney Hood forty one, Gaza Harris at fifty five. At small forward, Mo Harkless, 48; T.J. Warren at 53, and Jim Butler at 93. The power forwards, Nikola Mirotic, 44; Frank the Tank at 59, and Nikola Jokic at 95. And at center, Ivica Zubac, 36; Yusuf Nurkic, 53, and Marcus Sola, 8200. On draft kings, campaign 32; D'Angelo, 65, and Russ at 121. Shooting guard Brandon Ingram, 42; Geordie Clarkson, 52, and Jim Butler ninety three at small forward forty seven Aminu at five thousand and Durant at ninety seven The Power Fords Marvin Williams forty seven Nicola Miritich five thousand at centre if it's a Zubats thirty six seventy six and Nikola Jokic, eight thousand nine hundred for all you Aussies now Moneyball Geordie Clarkson forty six D'Angelo at fifty seven and Johnny Wall at ten five shout out to Jason Elson who has been a big supporter of the show who took down the GPP today over in Australia. So congratulations to you, Jason. Uh, Contevas Pope 5,000, Gaz Harris at 51, and Dwayne Wade at 8,000. At Small Ford, Mo Harkless 43, TJ Warren 5,000, and Jim Butler 9,000. At Power Ford, Big Source, Alan Williams 35, Julius Randall 53, and at Centre, Ivica Zubats 35, Yusuf Nurkic 56, and Nikola Jokic at 92. On Draft Stars, let's go with Campaign. 5,300, D'Angelo Russell, 11,6, and Johnny Wall, 18,2. Shooting guard, Brandon Ingram, 6,350. Kentavious Caldwell-Pope at 87, and Geordie Clarkson at 9,250. Jim Butler at 17,7. Mo Harkless, 7,6. Nikola Mirotic 84. Draymond Green, 14,5. At Powerfort, Allen Williams, 5,000. Marcus Morris, 8,850. And Kevin Durant, 22,50. And at center, Ivica Zubac, 6,350. Yusuf Nurkic, 8150, and Andre Drummond, 15150. We are done. Follow me on Twitter at Redrock underscore Beball. Remember, if you want to have your band's music on the show, let me know. And we'll, uh, we'll address the, uh, the music situation. If any bands want to, uh, put their music as a part of the show, I am open to suggestions. Patreon.com slash Redrock underscore Beball. Head across to Instagram, to Facebook, to Twitter, YouTube like the podcast subscribe to the podcast leave a review on itunes it's all very helpful and thank you to everyone who has done that and of course check out basketball monster where matt smith's wire article has gone up today so make sure that you guys who are members can check that out and who aren't members you can go sign up and get use of all of our great tools we are done thank you so much for listening everyone see ya Evangelial Okafor.